Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit of Pew podcast. This week we see why this first generation of Israel after they left Egypt was not able to go to the promised land. Let's get started. Well, hello again and welcome back. I want to pick up this week in chapter 10. Because I've taught through chapters 11 and 12, 13 and 14 on this podcast and other times before, but I don't think I've ever led into it with the end of chapter 10. And when, while reading this week, the end of chapter 10 stood out to me because they've now left Sinai and they're on a journey of three days and they have the pillar of cloud by day leading them and the pillar of fire by night leading them. And then Moses and Aaron, many believe, is up front. And often as they traveled, they would pray this prayer. And it was a prayer of encouragement. It was a prayer reminding Israel of who God is. And and, and I was reading this prayer in chapter the end of chapter 10. It says in verse 33, And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord went before them in the three in the three days' journey to search out the resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out by the camp. Now, just a neat, just what an opportunity Israel had. They're being led by the presence of God in this Ark and the presence of God in this pillar of cloud. Everything seems wonderful. And then Moses would pray this in verse 35. And it came to pass when the Ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up. Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them hate thee. Let them that hate thee flee before thee. It's a lot more powerful when I can actually read. But uh, he says on the last part. So he said, "Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee." And when it rested, he said, "Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel." It's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that was be encouraged and probably two million people rejoicing as he would say it. But then you come to chapter 11. It says this, when the people complained. (laughs) So you come off this powerful prayer being led by God in chapter 10 and Israel is back to their old ways. They're complaining. It says, when they complained, they displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses. So they come running to, they want to complain about God. And when God is punishing them, then they run to Moses. And Moses did what he always does because he is described, as you read this week, as a very meek man, and meek in a good sense. It was a compliment God gave, but he prayed for this people. He prayed to the Lord and the fire was quenched. But this people, again, just like when they left the Red Sea for three days, they complained about food. Now they've left Mount Sinai. It's been a three days journey. They're complaining about food again. And notice who it was. It's some of them that are stirring this up. It says in verse four, and the mixed multitude was among them also wept again. This mixed multitude. Who was the mixed multitude? Do you remember? Quiz question for you. They were the ones that when Israel left Egypt, some of the Egyptians left as well and said, oh, we we believe in your God. We want to follow with you. And they left as well after seeing the plagues. But some of them, most of the time, actually, when you read, 
They're just troublemakers. And they stirred up some complaining here again. And they were complaining about the manna that God had given him. Keep in mind, they weren't working for this manna. They didn't do anything for this. God was just giving it to them every day to feed them. But they were mad about it. They had done it, and it talks about in many different ways. I'm not a baker or cooker or anything. So, But it says that they ground it in the mills. They beat it in the mortar. They baked it in the pans. They were doing all the different ways. They're just tired of it, so they're complaining. They're starting to whine about the food that they had. They weren't thankful for what God had given them. Boy, may we ought, may we, I can't even talk today, but may we have a thankful spirit. When we get into that complaining spirit and we're not content with what God has given us, God is not going to burn us like he did here, but it does grieve the heart of God when we're not men and women of thanks. And so, Moses is just overwhelmed. I mean, he hits a point here where he's like, these people are never satisfied. They're constantly complaining. They're constantly blaming me. They're constantly wishing they were back in Egypt. And so Moses is just ready to be done with this people. I've taught on this later on as as God ends up helping Moses and answering the request. He he calls on these 70 men to prophesy. Two of them didn't leave the camp. And Joshua, because I was in the little series I did, a mini series I did on Joshua, when Joshua said, let's just, let's kill these guys. And Moses was like, no, 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 let's let them prophesy. And we talked a little bit about that. And so that was really chapter number 11. Chapter 12, we see Miriam and Aaron now, two Moses close, I mean, his siblings, but they begin to say, well, why is Moses getting this treatment? What about us? We're special too. And God strikes Miriam down with leprosy. And, and then Moses prays for his sister that just complained about him. And, and she was healed. And so there's some, there's some discord happening. There's some problems taking place. But then in chapter 13 and 14, I, I love these chapters. And I don't like these chapters for, for two different reasons. I love them because of Joshua and Caleb, but it breaks my heart because this is the promised land. This is the land. This is the price. God had told Abraham, and we've been studying this together. He told Abraham, you're going to have a great nation. You're going to have a land. He, he told Isaac. He told Jacob. He told Joseph. He, when he, he told Moses and the Israelites when he, when he brought them out of Egypt this is it. They are right there. And so Moses's first plan is let's send some spies in to search the land. And he sends some spies. And I've taught on this. And so I'm trying not to repeat myself. But but he, he chose 12 of the best men from their tribes. The best men. And I've read before the description of these men. And you read it when you read through. But I mean, these were not just some guys that were sitting on the couch eating Pringles. I mean, these were the men of their tribes. And he sends them in for 40 days searching all of the promised land to kind of bring back a report. on Because they knew they were going to have to fight some battles and so bring back a report. And when the spies came back, you, you remember in even the children's song, 12 men went to spy in Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Well, 10 of them gave an evil report. It started as a good report. They said everything the land is exactly what God said. Well, yes, because God is a loving God and an honest God. And so they said the land is exactly what God said, but there's giants in the land. And then they said, we're not able to defeat them. 
I hear that, I, when I read this, I'm like, what are you guys saying? You you do realize that God, who turned the waters to blood, God who killed the de- death of the firstborn, God who sent hail and darkness and the frogs, and that same God is the same God that sent you into this land. He's got you this far, and you don't think you can win a battle? And then I look at my own life, and God may not have done all of those plagues in my life that we've just described, but I've seen how God has answered prayer and and helped me through difficult times, and still I want to complain, and still I want to fear and doubt and get upset. So I like this passage because I want to be a Joshua and Caleb, and I strive to be that, but sometimes I don't like this passage because I see myself in all these other men. One of the points that I always like to point out when I'm reading this is can any of you right now, any of you right now that are listening to this podcast, can any of you, and I should say, but some of you may be tricky, so I should say I'll send you $100, but can anyone name any of the 10 spies that doubted God? I'm not going to bet you, but I doubt anyone can name any of the other 10 spies, unless you just, when you're reading through it recently, like that's a cool name to name my dog. And so you thought of it, but then here's why, because we don't name our kids after these men because they are never heard of again. Why? Because they're men of fear and doubt. They didn't make a difference. But have you ever heard anybody come across anybody in your life named Joshua Have you ever heard anyone in your life ever named Caleb? Now, the smart aleck part of me wants to say, yeah, because that's probably the only two names we can even pronounce out of 12 of them, and (laughs) maybe some truth to that. But I think a deeper truth is that these two were men of faith. And so the people gave the negative report. It stirred all of the people. They were all getting restless and all getting frustrated, and Caleb stilled the people and said, hey, guys, did you forget who our God is? Let's go in and fight and and he was, and Joshua said the same, and they were urging the people to go, but the people said, we can't do it. And they all started to complain and said, risk, we were just back in Egypt. Oh boy, you guys said that before. Never goes good. But they said, we just wish we were back in Egypt. And God had had enough. God is long suffering and God is loving and God is merciful, but God had had enough. And God In Moses, even though he intercedes for Israel, God says, listen, that's enough. I've heard all I want to hear from you guys. I'm not going to allow this generation to go into the promised land. Now, I I wanted to be harsh here, and I don't want to be harsh, but I want just about to say, what a failure. And it's true in a sense. I constantly want to be examining my own life as I say that. But you are the generation that was going to fulfill and be a part of the fulfilling of this promise to Abraham and have this land. But your lack of faith and your doubt and your complaining got you all the way to the promised land. But you're not going to get to go in. Now God said, I'll let Joshua and Caleb and everybody that's under 20 years old, the next generation, but not this generation. This generation, because of their lack of faith and their doubting of God, they will wander wander in a wilderness for 40 years. That's what's going to happen. 
And so for 40 years, they will wander in this wilderness. But God, throughout the rest of some of this book, even a little bit in chapter 15, he's going to start to give the instructions to the next generation that will go to the promised land. But for this generation, they won't. And something else that I'll kind of wrap up on, what I found interesting is after Israel disobeyed God, and God said, okay, you're not going to the promised land. They had the nerve, the nerve to say, oh yeah, we're going to go anyways. Because did you notice that at the end of chapter number 14? And Moses told these things unto all the children of Israel. I'm reading in verse 39. And the people mourned greatly. They were sad. They're not going to get to go to the promised land. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up from the top of the mountain saying, lo, we be here and will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised for we have sinned. Okay. Right now, yes, I'm glad they say they sinned, but do you realize there's sometimes there's mourning only because we got caught. There's mourning only because of the consequences. This seems to be a classic passage that they are broken over the fact that they're not going to get what they wanted and they're not broken over the fact that they sinned against God. And so they said, we have sinned. And Moses said, wherefore now do ye this transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye will shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up into the hill top. Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the Moses departed not out of the camp. They said, we're going to go anyways. They were unified in a wrong task. And they tried to go up. And it says that they were discomforted them and they were defeated because they tried to go without the presence of God. What a lesson here. We should not try to do anything against God's will. We should not try to rise up. And we need the presence of God. They were ignoring the presence of God and they thought, hey, we don't like the punishment we just got. We'll do whatever we want to do. And God said, no, you won't. That's it. So throughout the rest of this book, we are going to see some different stories. We're going to see them wandering in the wilderness. We're going to see some instructions that God is going to give for this next generation. At the end of chapter 15, there's a neat one that I have preached on before in which he tells them to put this blue ribbon on the bottom of, on the fringe of their garments. And it's always to be a reminder of several things. It's a reminder of God, how he delivered them from Egypt. And I think it was to to help them because this last generation forgot about God and doubted God. And it's to be a reminder every day when they put on that garment that they will remember their God. And it's a challenge to us to don't forget God. Just because circumstances are difficult, just because life may be a little confusing, don't forget God. Trust him. By faith, obey him. And whatever you do, Don't try to disobey God because you're going to fail. And that's what they thought they could do. Oh, yeah, God, you're not going to let us go to the promised land. We're just going to go up anyways. Moses said, don't do it. And they did. And they lost and they were defeated. So those, they will now wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they chose doubt instead of faith. 
Let me ask you about your life. As you listen to this, is there any area in your life right now where you're saying, you know what, I've just been doubting God? Not doubting God's existence. I had an interesting conversation with an atheist this week. But not doubting God's existence. I'm just doubting God in this situation. In the sense, I'm just ignoring God. I'm just, I'm basically reacting in my emotions to the circumstances without even entertaining the thought of giving it to God. When we do that, it's similar to what Israel's doing here. They looked at the enemies. They said, oh, they're too big. The obstacles are too big. We cannot do this. And because of that, they were wandering in the wilderness. Maybe you're wandering in the wilderness in your own heart spiritually, and you haven't been seeing that breakthrough that you want to see in the growth and the answer prayer that you want. Maybe you need to get your eyes back on Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening this week to the podcast. We'll be back. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do Sunday. Our series is done. I hope you went and caught that last one that I did on Difference Makers about prayer and Hezekiah. I, always, I like that lesson talking about Hezekiah. I love talking about the kings. So make sure you go back and listen to that. I don't know if I'll be back on Sunday or not since I'm not teaching this week. I may. Um, and then the same for the week following that. I'm not teaching, so I'm not sure. Uh, I will try to get the newsletter out. I did not do that this Monday. I'm, I don't know. I may still send one this week, but um, I just couldn't get a couldn't get a thought together, and so I didn't. But do pray for me if you're listening to this in within the next couple of days. I'm trying to come up with a sermon to preach for our church on Sunday. I'm praying. I shouldn't say I'm coming up. I'm praying, asking God for that. Actually, when I was just now teaching this, I thought about a few things. Um, but I'm trying to preach a message on the unity and togetherness, which is what our church theme is. But right now, which is rare for me, I have no idea the direction I'm going to go in. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So if you get, if you listen to this on the Thursday, whisper a quick prayer, and I would appreciate that. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you back soon. <music>